Hello and welcome to the Non-Perfect Parents Club podcast. I'm Emma, a mama of two girls, an ex-nursery practitioner and the creator of the Non-Perfect Parents Club. The Non-Perfect Parents Club is all about support, honesty, truths, acknowledging that none of us can be perfect parents because it's impossible and basically just speaking the unspoken. The only rule here is no judgment allowed. I love hearing people's stories, I love finding out about other parents, their family dynamics, their values and how they tick. So that is what this podcast is going to be. Some great honest conversations about parenting, hopefully delving into some nitty gritty thoughts and feelings that will make us all laugh, cry and sigh a big sigh of relief. This episode is brought to you in collaboration with Amazing Greys, who create Greys boxes and party food for the Lancaster and Morecambe and surrounding areas. I can vouch for how delicious their Greys tables are after they provided the most beautiful one for my recent podcast celebration. Head across to Facebook, search Amazing Greys and give them a like. Hello and welcome back to the Non-Perfect Parents Club podcast. Today I'm joined by Wendy. Hi Wendy and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining me. So if you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your family dynamic and any heritage. Hi. um, Oh, well, I'm um, one of two siblings. Um, I'm the eldest. Um, My parents divorced when I was 13. My brother's four years younger than me. Um, My mum passed away six years ago. Um, I've got three of my own children. Um, and I divorced 12 years ago. So, yeah, it's uh, very strange dynamics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll get into a bit more of that, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the main rule of the Non-Perfect Parents Club is no judgment allowed. Have you ever felt judged in your parenting, and can you tell us about it? Um, yeah, I have. Um, and it, it's quite raw still to think about it, um, really. And it was mainly um, after my divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really difficult co-parenting with um, with somebody um, that wasn't on the same page as yeah. me. And I felt very judged a lot of the time. But it didn't just come from him. It came from a lot of um, other people, professionals as well. Right. Um, so my middle son um, was diagnosed at seven with ADHD and at 14 with autism Mm -hmm. Um, and that brings its own challenges um, when you're a a two-parent family but when you're a one-parent family um, and you don't have that backup support from the other parent Mm -hmm. um, it's it's really really difficult and a lot of the time Elliot's behaviour was very challenging. Yeah. Um, he was quite aggressive, um, 100 miles an hour. And um, and it, it was just a really difficult uh, time and it took its toll. Um, but as far as being judged, um, a lot of the time, because um, family members didn't understand him either, yeah. um, it was my parenting that was the problem, right. um, but that was to, to professionals as well. Um, because I don't think a lot of schools now, I think they're getting better. But in back then, which isn't that long ago, Elliot's twenty now, but um, 
the lack of understanding of these um, children is incredible, yeah. really. Um, so yeah, it does. I'm coming from um, a background in education myself as well. I know how a lot of the staff think yeah. um, about these neurodiverse children. Um, so yeah, I, I was um, judged, or I felt I was judged. Um, probably, if we were to ask all of those individuals, they would say that they weren't judging yeah. me. But I felt very judged yeah. a lot of the time, um, because it, you know, the finger was pointed at me that mm. you're not doing this, you're not doing that, you, um, you should be doing this, you should be doing that, and um, I was literally juggling so many balls at that time, yeah. um, and not coping very well either because I didn't really have the support um, system in place yeah. that I needed. Oh, yeah. So is that how you kind of felt it was and they were basically saying there was things that you were or were or weren't doing that weren't helping? Yeah, um, it was mainly the things that um, I wasn't right. doing. Um, so with with Elliot, he, he, was, um, he was very complex mm -hmm. in his behaviour and the strategies that I was using... Um, for a, you know a typical child with autism yeah um, didn't seem to be working mm -hmm. and um, at that time we had a lot of outside agencies that were working alongside us to offer support which was great um, and I was taking any support that was given to yeah. me by the way and um, I remember one of the outreach workers um, in her little report when it came to the end because you want to get a block of so many sessions with them yeah. but when it came to the end she reported back that she didn't feel that I was um, following the um, the guidance the um, information that they'd been given wow. um, to, to, in, to enable me then to support Elliot the best way that I could and um, and it was really frustrating because I thought I'm I'm doing everything yeah. that I I know that I should be doing here, um, and um, in the in the end, um, because this went on for for many years, <laughs> his whole um, school life really. Um, in the end, I thought there's something that I've missed here because I am following all all these um, typical strategies. Yeah. Um, and I started to look into other types of autism. Yeah. People will probably think, well, there is only one type of autism, but there was there's a um, a, a um, something called, I don't even like saying the name of it because it sounds awful. It's PDA, pathological demand avoidance, and it's like an arm off autism. Yeah. And I started to do some reading up on this and um, and I thought, oh my God, he ticks all of these boxes. Mm -hmm. Um, and and I tried to speak to school about it and they weren't accommodating at all because Lancashire don't recognise it. Um, so you would never get a diagnosis in Lancashire for, for right, this. It's okay. a postcode lottery, basically. Anyway, because I, I did truly believe that he fell into um, these traits, um, I found a course in Liverpool that was being run a two-day course and I went um, I booked myself on it I had to pay for it myself which was no problem um, 
because I felt that I needed to go yeah. to, to find out a bit more about it and see if I could pick up some helpful um, strategies yeah. to use. Um, and I did, and it was amazing. And um, I was the only parent there with a child that was in high school education. All the other parents had children that were in primary right. school. Um, so a lot of my questions um, were quite difficult um, to answer because um, it's still only quite a new yeah. um, diagnosis. So, and even when I went back to school with all this information, they still weren't interested in um, using strategies that would support him in school. Right. So you've kind of had then. So was it was there like an equal split in terms of co-parenting? Or I'm only asking that because. Was he with you like most of the time, or was it an equal? Like, was it you dealing with the majority of? Um, no, it was me that was dealing with the majority of um, of the parenting, mm-hmm. really. So you've got like school who aren't supporting. Mm-hmm. There's three different environments there, isn't there? That yeah. so that must have been really hard to manage. It was really hard because a lot of the time I, I felt like I was completely on my own and mm. I felt that nobody was listening to me. Yeah. And um and I, and I understand that, you know, when you don't under you've got no um comprehension of something, you don't really understand it. It's difficult to get your head around um things, but and, and as a parent, as a mum to a, um, a child that is neurodiverse, you you have to change mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. And um, your life changes when you become a mum anyway, yeah. regardless of anything else. But then when, you you know, you find out that your child has got these um, extra uh, difficulties, um, it it just changes everything. And, and it was really, really hard because... You know, you can't, something as simple as going to the supermarket is, um, or was, really difficult. And and I didn't really understand it at the time. And it took me a long time to get my head around it. Um, Probably because I was listening a lot to um, my own parents' Mm, viewpoints of parenting. You should be doing this, you should be doing that. Um, Don't let him do that, don't let him do this. And... uh, and now, years on, when I look back at it, um, I realise that I was parenting like my parents parented, mm-hmm. um, which wasn't great because one parent was very strict and dominant and the other parent was very soft and yeah. um, you know, just let us get away with everything, <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we never really knew as kids where we stood yeah. with them because it was quite mixed up. But I was parenting like the both of them um, yeah. until, you know, I had to really look at myself and, and how I was as a parent um, because, uh, I, well, I, I couldn't have carried on the way that I did do. Um, it did result in me having a, a breakdown, right. um, the pressure of everything, um, when it was at its worst. Um, yeah, I, I just got to the point where I just I hit a brick wall and I couldn't continue yeah. anymore. So that made me reflect and, uh, and once again had to change everything <laughs> to, to accommodate it all. Yeah. How do you feel about parenting? Good, bad, has it changed you? Any regrets? Well, it has changed me um, hugely. I've got lots of regrets. 
um, because of what I've just been saying. There's, there's things yeah. that I wish that I'd done differently a lot sooner. Um, but I can't change it. It was It's the way that it was. And, mm-hmm. you know, I can't keep um, going back um, on things. I don't really know um, what else I can say about that, really. <laughs> do you think you're a good parent? I do now. I didn't. Um, because of how judged I felt. I did really question myself a lot. Um, but I do... Um, I do think I'm a good. I do believe that I'm a good parent now, and particularly when um, Elliot, the middle one, the one that's caused me the most <laughs> stress, um, turns around and says, tells me that um, I'm the best parent. Mm. That's yeah. you know that speaks yeah. a lot, and um, and he's come on leaps and bounds, and I'm really proud of him. So yeah. Mm. <laughs> Is there anything in your life that has shaped how you parent that you're happy to talk about? Any situations or circumstances that have affected this? I think we've covered it really with what we've already said with, um, you know, about being a parent of um, an autistic child. Mm-hmm. Um, his younger brother, he hasn't got a diagnosis yet, but he's showing all the signs right. of, um, of being on the spectrum too. But I feel much more able to manage. Mm-hmm. Um, him now because of everything that um, I experienced with Elliot um, so yeah that is completely shaped who I yeah. am today and um, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today if it wasn't um, for Elliot so in in a lot of ways I've got a lot to thank him for even though it was really really tough and it was tough because it resulted in me having a breakdown that I was off work for six months um and I um ended up making the decision to leave that role Mm -hmm. um and handed my notice in and and that's how my business um started so um and I couldn't be any happier than I am now. And I think it was the very best decision to make for all of us as a little family unit because um, at the time I was able to give Elliot as much of my time as I could yeah. and work it around, um, you know, what I was doing from home, working from home. Um, and it just seemed to be at that time the very best thing that that we could do. But you know now um, I can't imagine going out to work for anybody else. It's um, it's the best thing that I ever did. Yeah. yeah, and I think the kids would probably agree with that as well. I mean, there's been times when it's not been great, and you know you get quite stressed because um, you know you're inviting clients into your home and um, you. you asking them to just you know tread carefully don't stand on the lego and you know i'm sorry if uh, the the toilet's not being flushed or you know all that kind of thing but we're a bit over that now because they're getting older yeah um and they are very respectful of the fact that i do work from home because they understand that it's it's my uh, job Mm -hmm. and you know it's keeping the roof over the head um so i think they've learned a lot alongside me with me doing that as well which has been great yeah yeah how have you found it because a lot of people that I speak to they always mention obviously like the teen years and the teen stage how Mm. did you find navigating that oh it's awful it still is (laughs) yeah I've got over it um (laughs) twice um 
not so much the first time because my eldest son Adam he went to live with his dad when he was 12 so right. I did I do feel I missed out on a lot of his teen years for various different reasons um with Elliot that was at the point when he I mean he was 14 when he got his diagnosis of autism which was yeah. far too late yeah um and that that's just how um bad the pathway system is um I don't know whether it'll ever change but you know to, to, to be 14 and then be told that you've got autism mm-hmm. um is really difficult because you're navigating um all the changes in your body you know you're going through puberty um and to be told that you're different to yeah. you know he knew that he was different anyway he could feel it and that yeah. was part of the problems that we had um but it did get worse for a lot of the time and um, and trying to work out as well as a parent what is just teen stuff and what is actually yeah. the autism, yeah. um, that was quite tricky um, and still is because Joshua is now 14, my youngest, right. and he's, um, well, he's, he's been about a good 12 months that he's been going through puberty so um it's it's very different to Elliot though because they do display very different mm-hmm. traits but um uh because we're all individuals aren't we yeah. we're all unique so that every, every one of them's got their own little different quirks and everything but um yeah it was awful I mean it, it's just yeah I've got a lot of friends that have got kids that are going through the teen years now and one of them in particular she's um she's only got her one of her own child and she said to me why did you not tell me about this <laughs> and I said well you wouldn't have listened but you wouldn't nobody you, you know you're not you're not even though if you warned about becoming a parent and what it's like and how difficult it is it never prepares you no. until you experience it I don't it think yourself. you can truly appreciate it until you're in the thick no. of that moment can you no. it's yeah. No, you can't. And everybody's experience is different yeah. as well, isn't it? So some people fly through it and, you know, they don't have any problems with the children at all or the teens and um, and, and come out of it the other side uh, still smiling. And, and others of us, <laughs> um, you know, literally pulling our hair out. I have to say this time up to now, it, touch wood, it's not been as stressful um, as it was with uh, Elliot, but... Um, yeah it's just um it's it's an experience and and I try and reflect a lot about how what I was like as a teen it's made me Mm, look back and think you know was my mum thinking about um all of these kinds of things when I was that age I think one of the things that I found most difficult because I've got boys um and dad isn't as active Mm -hmm. parenting is talking about the changes through puberty because boys don't want to talk about anything never mind what's happening (laughs) with the bodies and um you know when girls come on the scene and and all, all of that stuff that comes with it um and even though I'm quite willing to talk to them, it's they they just don't want to yeah. go there either. So that's quite difficult navigating that to because I don't want them to feel embarrassed that they can never come to me yeah. for anything. Um, but at the same time, I don't. Um, I feel that we need to keep some open communication yeah. as well without embarrassing them yeah. too much. <laughs> like, oh, mum, don't talk to me about that. <laughs> 
So you said about your your oldest son went to live with his dad. How mm. did you? How did that make you feel as a parent? Were you expecting that to happen or? No, I wasn't expecting it to happen, um, and it and it was awful, and it happened very very quickly, and it was probably at the the time when Elliot's behaviour was at its worst, really, and um, he because having um, Adam hasn't got any um, specific disabilities, yeah, um, and he's quite quiet and introvert, mm-hmm. whereas with Elliot. Um, he was very outspoken. Um, he was very verbal and loud. Um, and th- there's only 16 months between them, so they're quite right. close yeah. um, in age. And um, for them growing up, Adam really found it difficult to um, cope with Elliot and as he got older he found it more and more difficult um, to cope with it you know I liked it nice and quiet and peaceful and and Elliot wasn't like that at all Um, so no it happened very very quickly without any notice whatsoever Um, it wasn't a nice experience and um, I felt like I'd lost a major part of me yeah body like a, a limb yeah. or my heart was completely broken because of the circumstances and um my relationship with him his relationship with me suffered hugely and it took a long long time and I'm like talking about years to rectify that right um well we're, we're good now um but it's it's been a difficult road with him um so, you know, when I'm sat here talking about this and the things that you don't think about, because I was dealing with all of that, but also having to deal with the heartbreak of my eldest son yeah. not being with me as yeah. well. Um, and I know that I have thought about that before, but it's I've not really, you know, yeah. talked about it. It's quite, it, it quite um, yeah, it tugs at my heartstrings again, really. But we're, we are good now. and And the good thing is, the great thing is that they are good as well right um which is um that means more to me than anything yeah. that they're they're okay with each other they, they get on the good mates they spend a lot of time together so yeah that's good Aww. yeah what is your biggest value when it comes to parenting i think <clears throat> probably respect mutual respect mm-hmm. um I I grew up, and I've, probably a lot of people will resonate with this as well. My um, the way that I was brought up by my parents was that you, it was kind of like a case of you, you know, children are seen and not yeah. heard. You do as you're told. Yeah. Um, and and that kind of um, parenting, um, and as I said earlier, I did begin to parent like that mm-hmm. when the, the boys were much younger, but. Um, and now realise that it's really, really important for them to feel seen and heard mm-hmm. and and have that respect and me not to just dictate to them yeah. that you're doing this and, um, and you know, there's no um, questions about it or don't argue with me or anything like that. Um, yeah, I learned that the hard way. So that's probably my, the biggest thing for me, really. 
What has been your biggest challenge so far? <laughs> Parenting <laughs> neurodiverse children. Yeah, it's got to be. There's, I can't... Um, I'm sure that there'll be lots of um, parents out there that um, that feel this and feel alone um, and judged mm-hmm. um, and at some points uh, tearing the hair out and not knowing what to do for the best. Um, it comes with so many um, stresses. Um, you know, a, bit, a big thing with it is, is the school relationship yeah um the mainstream schools aren't cut out to support children mm-hmm. that are on the spectrum yeah and um and that that is a challenge in itself because you feel that you um you're constantly having to fight your children's corner you're yeah. constantly having to be their voice um you're constantly having to go into school to sort things out yeah. and and you do that anyway with it, with any child, but it seems to be heightened with when you've got a child mm. that needs extra support, yeah. um, and it's frustrating as well because you know the um, gosh, I could write a book on <laughs> on some of the experiences that I've I've had with um, with schools and education and. Um, yeah, that's probably for a whole other <laughs> <laughs> discussion. But it, yeah. it can be really hard to advocate for your children as well. Though, kind of, if I I find with a lot of people I speak to that, especially with schools, we're kind of conditioned to to think schools and teachers are right. What they do and say is yeah. thing, and you should all respect that. But there has there is some, you know, circumstances situations where they're not, and I find that a lot of parents really struggle to kind of advocate for the children and sometimes they don't always say stuff they just let it go on um so I imagine with like a neurodiverse child as well it's even harder to to do that especially like yeah. in your situation where professionals were telling you that it, it was you yeah that... yeah it, it's true I'm not you know I, I had um 10 years working in the education system myself in primary school and I worked um, in a pastoral role yeah. um, at the time when, when I actually left that role. Um, and my job was to bridge the gap to learning with, with children that were struggling to, you know, come into school or um, stay in class um, for, you know, lots, lots of different reasons. And it isn't just um, a lot what I found in that role was um, that a lot of the teaching staff didn't have an understanding of where that child was. Yeah. Um, and it and it can be for lots of different reasons. So it could be something that's gone on at home and it could be something really, really simple that affects that child. Um, so, for instance, it could have been something like, you know, mum and dad had a bit of a disagreement and there was a bit of heated um, arguing going on. But, they, you know, they, they were all right, but nothing's fallen out. But it actually can really wobble yeah. that child. And that then that child's, like, rushed off to school, ushered in as though nothing's yeah. ever happened. But, you know, it's going on. So that was the kind of, like, you know, basic stuff that was um, happening. Um, 
but a lot of um not just teachers but you know teaching staff didn't grasp that mm-hmm. um so that child then has a really bad day because they're not able to yeah. to cope so when i was um trying to get my son to school i had to get him in the car well i had to get him up to start <laughs> with when he didn't want to go yeah. because it and i later realized once it was all over um that i was almost feeding him to the lions yeah, which was quite hard to you know. I, there was a lot of guilt that I felt over that. Um, he he felt uncomfortable wearing school shoes because of his sensory issues, yeah. but there was no leeway with it. Um, you know the 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 um the textures of the clothes they had to wear. So all of those were a a, a, a like a battle. Yeah before we even stepped out of the house mm-hmm. and then to get him in the car and then the journey from because everything was rushed then yeah. and I'm panicking because I'm not, I know I've got to get him to the bus stop for a certain time and sometimes I'm chasing the bus down yeah. the prom um and then I have to get him on the bus yeah. not all the time was successful because sometimes the bus driver just wouldn't wait for him um and then I'd have to make a decision of whether, you know, I I actually drove him to school or I just gave it up as a bad job. Mm. Um, and then, you know, so after I've done all that, eventually he gets to school and he's very heightened yeah. with anxiety before he's even started anything. Yeah. And there was a complete lack of understanding about that. Um, so I, I knew ultimately that I was going to end up with a phone call at some yeah, point yeah. Or, or more than one um, to either go and pick him up or um, speak to him on the phone or um, occasionally he'd run out of school, you know, all that kind of thing. Yeah. So um, I feel like I've gone off track a little no. bit now. <laughs> <laughs> one thing leads to another, yeah. doesn't it? Um, what do you wish you could change about parenting in general as in for everyone oh gosh Um, I just wish there wasn't as much pressure um, on the the kids because it it, that then um, puts pressure on the parents and it's not just with school it's with it's with everything, um, you know, peer pressure. I mean, we've got social media now, which mm. wasn't um, a big thing back then. Um, it certainly wasn't a thing at all in my day or probably yours either yeah. for that matter. So I think we're dealing with something um, that's that's just, um, well, it's not easy to navigate no. at all. Um, so I, I just wish that there wasn't the pressure there. Um because children's mental health is suffering hugely, and um, yeah, it's not it's not good really. I'm actually really relieved that my I've only got one left at, at school yeah. now, and he does go to a specialist school that are, are very able to support him well, and it's brilliant. But I'm really relieved that we're away from mainstream yeah. school because I don't think that. Well, I know that the youngest wouldn't have been able to manage um, being in mainstream, but how 
any child can manage in mainstream school. I don't know. It's yeah. it's just um, and that and that's what puts the pressures on um, parents. So I'd, yeah, that's probably yeah. the one thing. And it's like even as you were like answering the last question, we're so governed by time. Everything is got yeah. to be here for this time, and then there's mm. this, this, this. It's so rigid, and there's not really much flexibility in anything, is there? It's all so structured, mm. and that that works for some, but it doesn't work for everyone. There's no sort of balance, is there? No, and I don't know how you you get that. Um, in my opinion, schools are too big. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no room for children to grow and evolve into who they um, need to be and to celebrate that, mm-hmm. either because every child is put into the same square box. Yeah, they're just a number, aren't yeah. they? And there's, and there's just no space for them to grow. Um, you know, how, how can you expect every child to um, work academically the same? You can't. Mm-hmm. Teachers know this. Mm-hmm. It's not their fault, really, no. that um, we're in this state. Um, the whole system needs to be um, rejigged, yeah. and they need to come up with something um, quite drastic, I, I believe, to um, to pull it back round. I have no idea what it'll be like in another five, ten years. It's quite scary. Yeah, it's very scary. Yeah, and you've got younger children, so I imagine mm-hmm. that is a scary thought yeah yeah it is mm-hmm. I just wanted to ask one more question going right back to the the start where you um when you did your introduction so you said that your parents divorced when you yeah. were 13 do you feel that that I mean it's, if you don't want to talk about it no, it's fine, it's fine. But do you feel like that affected you as a child and as a parent yes yeah it definitely affected me as a child um because I remember it quite vividly as well. Um, I felt ashamed of my mum and dad. Right. Um, and um, I didn't want them to. Um, I really felt that imbalance. It rocked my world mm-hmm. as a child. And and I was lucky because my mum my and dad, they did pull together um, and they did co-parent us really well. Yeah. Um, in the circumstances because they did come from very different um, you know as I said my dad was very dominant and my mum was very soft um, but it you know I suppose it kind of died, did work um, but it it was really difficult um, and my brother actually did go to live we lived with my mum um, all of the time and yeah. then um, my brother did go to live with my dad when he was about 14. Right. Um, very similar mm. things that have happened to me as well. Um, so I, I knew that when my divorce broke down that it was going to impact my children. Yeah. My ex-husband, um, he didn't come from a broken family and I don't think he had any idea of how much it would impact yeah. them. Um, and I, and I wanted more than anything for it not to, mm. um, because it was going to what you know. However, we did it; it was going to impact on them. But I, I wanted it to be as um, 
as little as, as possible, but unfortunately it didn't work out that way. Um, and that, I, there's nothing that I could have done about that. I did what I could yeah. um, around that. I've, um, I've, there's lots of things which, you know, this perhaps isn't the right time to go into, but yeah. I think there's lots of things that we could have done differently to support them, mm -hmm. but we didn't. It was definitely um, me on my own <laughs> against it, you know, the dad and, um, yeah. and vice versa. It wasn't like, let's um, let's put our differences aside to um, make sure our kids are all right. It yeah. wasn't that situation at all. And that that's, um, yeah, very, very frustrating. I wish it could have been a lot different for them. And I hope that, um, you know, when my boys come to have their own families, that they take all that into consideration yeah. as well. Um, you know, you wouldn't want your, your child to go... I didn't want my kids to go through a broken home. Mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, I got married with the intention of it being forever. But um, it does impact on them a lot. And kids blame themselves. Mm. They take it on board and they think, what, you know, is it something that I've done? I felt, I just felt really embarrassed because at that time there wasn't many parents divorcing. Yeah. All my friends' parents were still together. Yeah. And and I felt a bit like the odd one out. Whereas nowadays it's it's quite yeah, a yeah. popular yeah. thing, isn't it, for your parents to be divorced or not together? Um, yeah. And again, you don't have to answer no, if you don't right. take um, How do you find? Were you close with your mum? How do you find sort of parenting without your mum? Because I know there's a lot of stuff in the media and all that, and it's very much like our um, my mum's such a like big role model and she was she's always there to support me you know like in parenting stuff it's very much you tend to find mums are supported by their mums and mm. that kind of narrative how how do you how have you found that um yeah um well i now realize that um well, I don't parent like either of my parents anymore. Yeah. Um, and I, I've, I've found my own way of parenting, um, probably because of having um, the boys that are yeah. um, on the spectrum, um, because you have to parent them differently. There's no two ways about that. Um, but when you, as you get older and you look back, at your parents. I mean, when you're younger, you think that they're fantastic, don't you? You like, you know, and that's how it should be, um, and it should always be like that. Um, I've touching wood that my boys look at me like that <laughs> when they get older. That you know, they think that I did a good job, and um, and they would uh, wouldn't change a thing. But I'm sure that they won't. Um, but as you as you get older, and I've looked back at my own parents. Um, yeah, I didn't. I don't. I didn't want to be that. Have that their parenting style. But um, my mum was a good support. Um, she. I don't think she found parenting herself very easy. Yeah. I think she struggled. Um, but she was the type of woman that would never ask for help or support either. So, yeah. um, you know, she. I think she was a plodder. Um. Mm. And we did have our ups and downs and our difficulties, um, and 
and I do miss her because she she was a good grandma to my boys. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that she could ever offer me any um, great parenting advice, <laughs> um, and I don't ever remember her actually doing that. Yeah, but she was there if I needed her. You know, if she yeah. she, she if she could, she would. I mean, she helped with school pickups and. Um, when I when I was working and she'd babysit and and she did genuinely like spending time with them, which was great. And I never felt like I was putting on her because she always wanted to do that. Yeah. Um. But um. Yeah. It's. I, I, it's you know she's she's died and I can't change anything about that. Um. I just wish that she'd have um had more time to spend with Joshua because he yeah. was only little when um she passed away um you know she i think she missed out on an awful lot but um yeah does that answer what you say yeah i think so (laughs) if you've enjoyed this episode please don't forget to follow review and share with other parents you know i release a new episode every monday and you can now listen on all podcast apps spotify amazon music apple Podcasts, google podcasts and youtube If you would like to be a guest on the podcast, please get in touch via any of my social media channels, website or email. Thank you, Wendy, for joining me on today's podcast. It's been great to have you and thank you to everyone for listening.